Welcome to Fathering Excellence, where the fathers of accomplished people share their parenting insights. This episode, I'm excited to be talking with Bert Carson, father of Alyssa Carson. Alyssa is pursuing a bold dream that's yet to be accomplished by anyone. That is, to be one of the first people to travel to the planet Mars. NASA plans to send people there in the 2030s, and when they do, Alyssa plans to be ready. This has been her dream since she was three years old. Between then and her current age now of 19, she has worked tirelessly to prepare to achieve that goal. Alyssa's list of accomplishments is too long to describe here, but to give you a flavor, Alyssa started by attending space camp, which she's since done seven times across three countries. She was the youngest person to be accepted to the Advanced Possum Academy, which basically trains people for spaceflight and typically has participants that are in college or graduate school. She graduated from there and was certified in applied astronautics. Alyssa obtained her private pilot license, advanced scuba certification, and is fluent in four languages. Alyssa has given several TED Talks, is a Mars One ambassador, and a brand ambassador for Nike, SodaStream, and Horizon Studios. Alyssa was also invited by NASA to be part of their MER-10 panel, a televised event where the panel discussed future missions to Mars. Alyssa is fortunate to have Bert Carson as her father. In this episode, Bert speaks to how he helped Alyssa navigate the process of preparing herself for a mission to Mars. And he also speaks to how he helped her to keep her feet on the ground and be a well-rounded person. He's done an amazing job at both. I'm Jonathan V, and this is Fathering Excellence. Bert, thanks for being here today. Could you start out by telling us what it was like to be in the audience and seeing your daughter on stage as part of the MER-10 panel to discuss future missions to Mars? Well, the crazy story there, so she's 12 years old. This panel consists of three PhDs and an astronaut. And it is, you know, live on NASA TV. It's celebrating the 10 years of being on Mars with robots. And they fly us into Washington, D.C. And we show up at the Smithsonian the next morning early to check in as one of the panelists. And we approached the table and it's like name. And I said, you know, I just kind of looked over at her and she didn't say anything. It says Alyssa Carson. And she was like, no, what's your name for the panel? I go, no, she's the one on the panel. I was like, no, ha ha. That's funny. That's really funny. No, what's, what's your name? Like, okay, my name is Burt Carson, but Alyssa Carson is the one on the panel. It's her. And so she finally started looking on the thing and go, yes, there's Alyssa Carson. She's the one on the panel. I said, <laughs> yes, that's correct. And so that was just a funny moment. And then when the panel was over with, they had questions and answers. And, you know, again, kind of proud and thought it was funny that probably 70% of the questions were geared towards her. Wow. They were just so intrigued with, here's this 12-year-old speaking four languages and knows all this stuff about Mars. And and it was a great shoot-off for her. The BBC was there and they approached me and they did a story about her. The relationships that we develop with the people on the panel have lasted through the years and, and they have all been mentors to her. And it's been great to work with them over the years and for them to watch her grow and to become what she's become today. That's wonderful. And you said you've maintained some of those relationships as well. Are, are there any in particular that stand out? Well, from that panel in particular, one of the PhDs was John Conley, and he worked at NASA and, and did planetary stuff with NASA. And then when Alyssa was 
2014, he had moved over and was kind of a liaison with International Space University. And he had heard her mention she wanted to go to International Space University on that panel. And so he invited her. It During the summer, they do a summer session. It kind of moves around in different places in the Northern Hemisphere. And that particular summer, it was going to be at Ohio University. So he had invited her to come for a couple of weeks. I think it's like a nine or 10 week session and come for a couple of weeks and just kind of get a taste of what it would be like at International Space University. And so, you know, we went to there and it was great to do that. And then, but he was just amazed at how here she was 14 and keeping up with probably the youngest one there was probably in their mid twenties or or higher Mm. people with PhDs. And She's like one-on-one, you know, keeping right up with them, outscoring some of them on tests and things like that. So it was a great thing to watch. And what's really unique about that relationship is now John is back over at NASA. And the last I heard is kind of being dealing with and being maybe put in charge of the Mars mission should it come along. And that's just one of several stories. I mean, another one was Deborah Barnhart, who is the, or was, she just retired, but was the CEO at Space Camp and U.S. Space and Rocket Center. And she met Alyssa when Alyssa was probably like eight years old and just fell in love with her enthusiasm and her passion and was a great mentor to her over the years. In fact, she's the one who looked in and and figured out how for her to go to Space Camp Canada and Space Camp Turkey. And 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 then when the passport program came out, she, you know, was like, hey, you need to try to do this. And so, you know, we did it literally within two or three months after the program came out. But she's always been an ally, always had Alyssa, you know, coming to Space Camp to do interviews and, you know, whatever it may be. But she's just been a great mentor for Alyssa. Rolling back the clock, what was the Carson household like when Alyssa was younger? Was this in Louisiana? What was it that you were doing? And I I understand you're a, a single father as well. Is that right? Yeah, growing, I've been in Louisiana all my life. I was a freelance videographer. I traveled all over the world shooting video and just really wasn't able to to have a, a family because I was never at home. And so 20 years ago, some guys came into Baton Rouge and bought one of the TV stations and asked if I would come in off the road and, you know, run the production side of it. And I decided to do that and thought, well, if I'm not going to be traveling as much at all, if I'm ever going to have children, I better start working on it before I become 100 years old. You know, I had Alyssa and raised her. And in the early days, I mean, it was, you know, it was great. I mean, I brought her with her everywhere I went. I can remember having a meeting with the general manager of the Kingfish hockey team here in Baton Rouge. And there's Alyssa in her little car carrier, little cradle thing sitting right next to us, you know, me feeding her with a bottle or whatever. I used to bring her on set with me when she got older and was walking and she would do the stopwatch and I guess kind of maybe molding her into what people would call the family business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at a young age, she just got this fascination and this wonderment with Mars. And it was like she went on her path. And this was going to be her path of getting to that red planet no matter what. And so then I shifted gears and wasn't too worried about her doing TV work or anything in that part. And we started working on the science side. And of course, I took any kind of help I could get. Any of these mentors that came along helped out because that was not my thing. I mean, you know, I watched man land on the moon and knew about that. But and I was good in science and math in school. So maybe that's where she got it from. But I didn't know 
you know, I was not an engineer. I was not a scientist. I didn't work at NASA, didn't work in anything close to NASA. It was one of those things where, you know, it's been her passion and she took off from it and has never looked back. So Alyssa expresses this interest in going to Mars at a very young age. It probably seems to you at first to be a a passing phase. Is there a point in time where it becomes clear to you that this is something she genuinely plans to pursue? No, there was a moment. So, yes, she somewhere between three and four years old. I mean, I distinctly remember her coming to me and and asking me about Mars and, you know, if if people were there. And and I explained to her that we had been to the moon, but not to Mars, but it would probably be her generation, the Mars generation to grow up and go. And, you know, I didn't think much of it. And that's why I said we don't really know what sparked that except that we do know there was the episode of Backyard again. So I don't know of any other place she would have have uh, seen that. But, you know, like it was two weeks later or so, and she came back to me and she said, Daddy, I decided I want to be, you know, one of those people that go to Mars. And I said, you mean like an astronaut and you, you know, you go to Mars and whatever. It's like, yeah, that's what I want to be. And I was like, okay, sure. You can do anything you want to do. And yes, honestly, you're talking to a very young kid and they're, dreams or fascinations changed, but it never really changed over the next couple of years. It was, you know, if we were in a bookstore, I mean, she could spot a book or a DVD or anything about space or Mars, whatever, from across the store. And she just started consuming those at such a a fast rate. When she was either five or six, we'd gotten a Mars map and she was in a room studying the Mars map. And, you know, I walked in and I said, baby, what are you doing? And she said, well, daddy, when we land on Mars, we're going to bounce with these airbags. And she had learned that because that's how at the time they were landing these rovers. And if we start bouncing off course, I need to know where we are. And I thought, you know, that's a little strange for a five or six year old to be thinking that. But again, I'm still going with the flow and thinking this will pass. And then just by chance on a trip home, my mother and her brother and my grandmother were coming, I think, through close to the Huntsville area. And they saw this big billboard about space camp. And so they brought Alyssa over there. And this was when she was seven. And they went all through the museum and everything. And when she came home, you thought she had just like most kids going to Disney World or something. It's just oh, I saw this rocket and I saw this capsule and the moon rock and the, you know, all this. And so she showed me she had gotten her pamphlets for space camp. And I called about space camp and found out she was too young, had to be at least nine, but we could go as a parent child. So we signed up and we did the parent child. And so we go the first time as a parent child and You know, I do all the simulators and the things like I do everything with her is what you have to do. And at space camp, they have a thing called the Right Stuff Award. It's an award that it it just kind of the person who, you know, just shows the most and, and, and is dedicated and helps other campers and, you know, that kind of thing. But it's only given to one kid out of all the people in attendance that week, not just your team, but the the entire deal. At the end of our time, when we're at graduation, they presented Alyssa with the Right Stuff Award. And that's when I just started bawling like a baby going, my kid's going to Mars. Like that was the realization right there. Mm. It was like, if these people who see all these kids every day, year after year, you know I mean? And I realize other, you know, other people won, win the award every week, but they saw that in her at such a young age. I thought, 
my kids going to Mars. And so that's, that kind of, you know, was my aha moment. So when that sinks in, that moment that this is for real, how do you feel about it as a dad? That's risky, I guess, in a number of different ways, the obvious risks associated with human spaceflight. And then as a parent, I think a lot of us feel we'd like for our kids to pursue a vocation that's you know, reliably achievable. So there's that risk as well, right? Having your daughter want to pursue this dream that is very hard to achieve. Well, again, you know, I mean, she's only seven and that was my aha moment. But yet, honestly, I doubt that I was thinking about all that, like all the dangers and anything else. Let's fast forward and, and look through the, the entire summary of it. Absolutely. It's not the thing I would choose for my child because everything in space wants to kill her. You know, it would not be the thing I would want to push her into. And I've told people that all along, you know, it's not something I've pushed her into. It's something she's pulled me into. But, you know, I guess at, you know, seven and eight years old and it's and it's my philosophy. I mean, I think parents should support kids dreams no matter how crazy they sound, because generally and usually they're going to change. But especially now with I think the intelligence level of kids because of being in the computer age and all, they're able to get into things at such a younger age. And so if they've got these passions and dreams, you know, go after them, pursue them, let them go after it. I hate when, you know, kids eight, nine years old and it's like, I want to be a doctor. And the parent goes, well, you can't do that. You're not good in math. You're not going to be able to do that. That just cringes on me because, again, I think you should support your child no matter what. So use it as a positive reinforcement. Use it in the sense of, well, you know, you're not quite as good in math, so maybe you should study harder at that if that's really what you want to do. And make it to where if it's their passion, their dream, and their desire, and they're willing to work hard at it, then they probably will work harder at their math if that's what they're lacking and go for it. So I've just always encouraged her to go after whatever it is, you know, and if she failed, I would tell her that's fine. That's how you learn is by failing. You've given some examples and responded in in some ways to this next question already. Are there ways in particular that you supported Alyssa? Well, I mean, obviously, yes. I mean, starting off, she's young. I mean, you know, I'm supporting her by sending her space camp. But but at, again, at a very young age, she was willing to sacrifice. You know, this kid would never want any birthday presents or Christmas presents. It was, you know, contribute to my space camp fund. She would try to find, you know, scholarships and ways to do odd jobs and things like that. She was willing to put in the hard work and, you know, realized how expensive it was. So there's a myth out there that I'm this rich parent who just bought her way into everything. And really and truly, Alyssa has earned her way into all of this. And, you know, yes, it is a lot there, but there are ways that you find this. And I guess the other support is me driving her around everywhere. She started doing public speaking at probably like 10 years old. She was a natural at it. And so she started having this other desire in her heart to inspire other kids to be like her. Because really and truly, Alyssa is not a genius. She just works hard at this dream every day. And it's something that she wants other kids to realize that anyone out there can do what she did. And even if you're in a country that doesn't have a space agency, or even if you're in a family that, you know, they can't even send you to space camp the first time, then you've got to do your research. You've got to find other ways if you want it bad enough. 
today, these kids have the internet and they have a computer and they have the entire world at their fingertips. So there's all types of free stuff and free things that they can do. And she would do things like that as well. I mean, I can remember her doing these free MIT online courses at, you know, in her early teens. At a certain point, the support took over, like our guest went away in a sense, because, I mean, she was earning and doing everything for herself. You know, I was just the, as I say, I was just the international baggage handler because this kid was being invited to do speeches and training all over the world. So it's, it's been her hard work that's earned her where she is today. And as a, as a single dad, as a non-single dad, I have found the logistics to be challenging. As a single dad, how have you managed to balance all of this, helping her with the travel? And I assume that there's a lot of planning that goes into many of these trips. How do you balance that with your day-to-day job? So what I did, you know, I look back sometimes and, and me being a freelance videographer was not what I initially was going to do. And so again, you know, if you want to look at destiny pulling you in certain ways. I think I was pulled into that and through that got my education for being able to help her with media and travel and stuff like that. So there's a big balance. And, you know, a lot of people ask us this all the time, like, Alyssa, how have you done everything you've done plus do your schoolwork? And Bert, how have you done what you've done with her plus do your work? And honestly, we don't have a great answer for that because it just kind of works some kind of way. We're not real sure. I mean, I did teach her time management when she started kindergarten, and I think that's helped with some of her balance. As far as my balance, I think it it just comes second nature to me. So when, you know, when someone wants us to travel or things like that, it's what I've done all my life. I would be called in the middle of the night saying, you know, we need you at XYZ place by noon tomorrow or something. So, I mean, I was I was very used to that kind of life anyway. Now, I'm a very big uh, gadget guy. And so I'm always into learning new technologies and figuring out. So actually with the TV station, we were one of the first ones that were streaming our signal long before anybody ever thought about doing that. And I also was able to completely hook up everything to run the entire station on a computer and work with some people and had some software developed and that kind of thing. And then when Windows phones came along, which was a Windows 5 back in, I couldn't tell you when, way back when, I was actually able to transfer all that over to a phone. So I got to a point to where I could run the entire television station from my phone. And so that helped out immensely. And it just, that kept developing and it got to where I could literally, you know, I mean, obviously we've got employees at the station doing other things, but if there was any kind of issues or whatever, I could solve them with my phone. And a lot of it, I mean, I've just gotten to where mostly everything I do is all, you know, on the computer. So it allowed me to free up and do that. And of course, they allowed me to do that. I mean, they were, they were very encouraged by Alyssa's fascination and and all this and, you know, kind of felt like they helped her grow up as well. So it's it's just kind of some of that that I can best guess on our balance. But yeah, we, we think about that a lot that we don't get it either. What struggles did you experience in this pursuit? Were there some bumps in the road along the way for either you or her that you needed to, to help navigate? 
Yeah, let's, uh, you know, through the years, I mean, like I said, being a single dad, I before she was born, I traveled all over the place. And, you know, when I had her, it, to me, it was, you know, I want to have this child. I want to raise her. I want to, you know, I want her to be with me everywhere I go. And so the I kind of gave up anything. I want this to sound the wrong way, but in a sense of, you know, not giving up my life, but in the sense of, you know, I had my fun and did my thing. And now this is her time. And so I was willing to, I guess, make that sacrifice of, you know, I wanted to help and support her and be with her as much as I could. Because not even thinking about the Mars mission, kids grow up and usually by 14, whatever, they're done with dad. And so, you know, at a younger age, I wanted to spend time with her. And and before all that happened, the struggles for me were kind of like the, the balance that we talked about earlier, but just the the fact of, I, you know, I guess people not understanding me, just not wanting to, to do anything other than to raise her. But with Alyssa, you know, she had her struggles, obviously, you know, she's doing all this stuff at such a young age. So she's, you know, literally either in classes or training or whatever it may be with people that are at least 10 years older than her, if not more. So, you know, she had her failures along the way. But as I said, I mean, that's what I would tell her. Failures are how you learn. But she would pursue after it and go after it. Other things would be maybe something she's about to do is a little scary. And, you know, you just kind of convince her to just try it one time. And and it's crazy how she tries it one time and then she loves it and then she wants to do it a hundred more times. So it's just uh, maybe anxiety in a sense of some of that. But I guess all in all, I mean, everything's kind of worked out. So, you know, you tend not to think about the struggles because how everything's worked out. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Yep. So you mentioned that, and I think a lot of parents can relate to this, that there were times where Alyssa didn't want to do something and you encouraged her to try it one time. Could you give an example of a time when that happened? So a really good example would be her pilot's license. There's a program called Young Eagles. And when kids are younger, they're pilots out there and they take them up on their first flight. So we were at a a 99 event, which is a women's group across the entire country that was actually, I think, started by Amelia Earhart. And they had invited Alyssa to come out to the event and they took her up on her first flight. And, you know, she came down and she was telling everybody, yeah, thank you. You know, thank you so much and appreciate it and all. And then we get in the car and she's like, Daddy, I was kind of queasy and I don't know if I like that. And the plane kind of rocks and bumps and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I said that was, I told her, I said, that was kind of my first experience. The very first time I went in a small plane, my uncle used to fly planes and and I really could remember the first time I went up. It's like, this is very different than being in a big commercial plane. You know, when she decided to pursue her license, she goes for the the first introduction flight, I guess it is, and comes back. And I said, well, was it better? And she's like, not really. She said it still, you know, was hot and it was still kind of queasy and all that. And I said, well, I mean, are you going to start lessons? She said, yeah, I think I need to start lessons. Let's see. So she goes to her first actual lesson where she's actually doing some stuff. And when she came back from that, she was like, Daddy, I don't like this at all. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, this is like my third flight and I'm not liking this. I 
it's it's just not something I don't think I want to do. And I told her, I said, there's nothing that says you have to do this. There's, you know, I mean, it is strictly a personal choice, you know, and we kind of talked through what had happened and the whole lesson and everything. I said, I tell you what, try it one more time. That's all I'm asking. Just try it one more time. And if if it's the same, if you don't like it, then just stop. You don't have to do it. There's, you know, there's nothing you ever have to do. You know, she said she kind of, you know, agreed with that and said, okay, I'll, you know, because I'm sure she was probably thinking I'm still not going to like this. And then, you know, I'll do this one more time and then, you know, I'll be done. And for whatever it was, whatever switch flipped, whatever happened, she came back, you know, 180 degrees. Like this was the best thing that ever happened. I love flying. I, you know, on and on and on. And, you know, then just took after it and obviously went all the way through and got our license. The advice there is, you know, maybe there's some things that you can't get your kid to do, maybe because it's you think it's because they don't want to do it, but it may just be because they're kind of uncomfortable with it. And if you can kind of walk them through that uncomfortableness and talk them through that and just don't push them into it, like you have to do it one more time. Just like, would you give it one more chance? Would you try it one more time and try it this way or you know, just kind of work through that uncomfortableness. I think that's what happened there. I think by finally the fourth flight, her body had gotten used to being in a small plane and and doing that. And then once she was comfortable with being in that small plane, she enjoyed it more because now she's concentrating more on flying the plane, touching the plane, seeing the instruments, reading the instruments, that kind of thing. And it takes her mind completely off of what was uncomfortable to her to begin with. And then it was just, it was on then, then, you know, she loves flying, just couldn't keep her out of the plane after that. I would imagine from her perspective that it might've been relaxing to know that this isn't something she has to do again after you gave her permission to say no, if she didn't want to after one more try. Yeah. And she, she had learned over the years that whenever I say, don't do this one more time, or if you do this one more time, this is what's going to happen. I follow through. My best advice to parents is do what you say. You've got to follow through. And it's amazing that if you will do that just one time, how much it will change the child. And let me give you a you know real quick example on this. So we're at a friend's house for a barbecue. Steaks are on the grill. Kids are running up and down the stairs. The parent's house that we're at tells her child, you know, y'all stop running up and down the stairs. And they kept doing it. I looked over, listened, said, if you do it one more time, we're leaving. And they did it again. And so I said, go get your stuff. And we left with the steaks on the grill. And the other parents were like, you're not really leaving. I go, yes. I told her if she did this, we were leaving. And so we get in a car and we go home. And that was that. And so I followed through. I did what I said I was going to do. Fast forward a few months, maybe, or whatever. We're at a function at the school. And it's her and the same child. And they come to me and they're like, Daddy, can I go spend the night over at her house? I was like, no, not tonight. You know, you can't. And then it was like, oh, please, please, please go. It's like, no, you can't go tonight. Oh, please, please, please. I was like, Alyssa, stop asking or we're leaving. Boom, they were gone. Never saw them again. You just got to do that follow through one time. It's amazing how kids learn what you do. And so by the time she's doing these pilot's license, she knows how I am. When I say do this, this is what's going to happen. Daddy follows through. 
And so I think that also probably helped her with just try this one more time. And again, if it's still uncomfortable, you don't have to do it. And she knew I would be serious about that. It would not be something I would push her into. So she she has that comfort in knowing that what daddy says he is going to do. In addition to following through on what you say you're going to do, do you have any other philosophies or perspectives to share on the topic of discipline? Well, this is probably not going to be happy for parents to hear, but, you know, I do believe in, I don't believe in the timeouts and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. I do believe in spanking. Again, you know, I've literally watched young kids and I'm talking about five and six year olds hit and beat their parents <laughs> and they do nothing. So yes, I do believe in discipline in the, in that way. And again, it goes back to if you do this, I'm going to spank you. I think Alyssa received maybe two spankings in her entire life, but it was at a, such a young age that it was barely anything I was doing, but probably to her was the worst thing ever. But then she had respect for me because, again, she learned that I will follow through. So anytime she was disrespectful or doing something and I said, do we need to go to the bathroom? And she knew that meant to get spanked. It was, you know, she immediately just stopped. Whether you believe in spanking kids or not spanking kids, I mean, whatever it is, it's still the same thing. It's still the follow through. But, you know, it's just it's just making sure that you have your kids respect and you are the parent and not the best friend. Later on, as they grow up, you can be their friend. But, you know, I think the more you can do at a younger age to get them the way that you want them to be, the better. You know, again, the reason why Alyssa does, you know, four languages is the school she goes through. They do all their subjects in four different languages and they start that at pre-pre-K. So it's just mold them young and stay with that and don't deviate from those paths, no matter how hard it is. I mean, look, there's a lot of times that, you know, it killed me to do the things that I had to do, but I think it's made her a better person. And, you know, I love the adult that she is becoming. You mentioned the school that she's going to. She's learning. She's taking her courses across four different languages or in four languages. How did you identify that school? Was that something that you did purposefully to try to help her with this pursuit? What kind of a school is that? That's incredible. Yeah. So a friend of mine had their child. It's called the Baton Rouge International School. And they had their child at it and was, you know, telling me about it. But the main reason why I put her in that school was because, again, I traveled all over the world and struggled because I knew English. That was it. And was constantly struggling with communications and things like that. And so I thought, you know, this would be great, you know, to where this kid would have these multiple languages and, you know, at least be able to, if she did travel, I mean, just as Traveling is for leisure, whatever, would just be so much easier for than what I had to struggle with. And so that's why I put her in there. And it's a private school, but in fact, is probably, it is definitely was cheaper than any other private school around. Not that I'm against public schools. I went to public school, but my whole thing was just having those languages and being fully immersed for 13 years. Um, and so she can literally flip, like, you know, a lot of people, I think, when they learn a language, they kind of like try to translate it in their mind from the English to the French or whatever, whereas that way she just speaks French, no different than a French person would. She doesn't think about what the words are. She knows the words. She just that's her normal talk. And 
the teachers that are teaching the languages, they are native to the country of whatever they're teaching. They're not only teaching them the languages, they're teaching them their culture. They're teaching them about their family. They're teaching them about their holidays. I quickly learned at this school that it was really, again, molding these kids at a young age to be global citizens, to respect and to have the knowledge of the world. And as she has pursued and and done what she's done, it's been the best thing that I could have ever done. And uh, I've been very lucky. I've been very thankful to the administration there because they've allowed her to to do the things that she's done away from school and graduated from the, the school there. I mean, it's a K through 12 school. So that's where she graduated high school in the International Baccalaureate program. Clearly, Alyssa has a strong work ethic to achieve everything she's done academically and also all of her achievements in pursuit of her dream to go to Mars. Are there ever times when you had to pump the brakes and push her to spend time doing things that were not related to those pursuits? Again, my other philosophy in raising her was I wanted her to have a balanced life. So I did not want her growing up from the very beginning, and I saw how quickly it was evolving into that, and not want her growing up into it being space, 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 space. I've always felt like I did not want her to just be this book smart person. I wanted her to also have common sense so that when she did go to this planet, if the book said to do X, but she really should be doing Y because she knows better, then do Y and don't do X because that would be dangerous. So kind of with that in mind, I made sure that she did ballet and piano and Girl Scouts and soccer and, you know, go to the movies with her friends and, you know, on and on and on. I made sure she had the balanced life. I made sure she was also a kid. Did she miss stuff? Did she miss parties? Yes, absolutely. She had things that she wanted to do or training she needed to go do or speaking she wanted to go do and had to miss some things. So yes, that was very important to me from the very beginning for her to have that balanced life. Now, again, that goes back to you know an earlier question we have of how we did that. Again, we don't know. We don't, it just it's like time stops for us. I feel like sometimes, <laughs> you know, because we get like 40 hours of stuff done in a 24 hour day. But yeah, she just, you know, I wanted to make sure that she did have that balanced life. And somehow we've just made it all work. Somehow she's been able to accomplish school and space and then also be a kid. Well, if you write a book on time management, I will be the first in line to buy it because it sure sounds like the two of you know how to get stuff done. Earlier, you talked about a couple of the mentors that Alyssa had. I'm sure there's a very long list, but are there any others in particular that come to mind? Yeah, there. Uh, you, you're right. There's been there's n- numerous ones, but I think probably, hopefully, I won't forget anybody. But I, I like to say, you know, the probably the main three, and I've mentioned two of them: John Conley and Deborah Barnhart. But a third one that has been very important in her life is Bill Parsons. So he was the Cape Canaveral director. And, you know, this story is funny in the sense of, you know, she tells people like, what should I be doing? Well, you know, find your dream and you go after it and don't give up. And she talks, you know, tell people, tell people what your dream is. Talk, let them know, because you never know who 
somebody may know or what they do. Like maybe your dream is to be an engineer and one of your parents' friends is an engineer and you didn't know it. And so, you know, they can be there to help you and mentoring you. So one of my friends, which ran an office supply business and grew up in Chattawa, Mississippi, which is, you know, population three, went to school with Bill Parsons and, you know, heard Alyssa talking about wanting to be an astronaut and that kind of thing and called me up. He says, hey, my you know, real good friend is, you know, Bill Parsons. And of course, I knew who that was then. And I'm like, yeah, right. OK, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. And then the next thing I know, he's got Bill Parsons on the phone. Wow. And he goes, yeah, that would be great. I mean, you know, I would be more than happy to 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 meet with Alyssa and, you know, talk to her. So this was when Alyssa was 10 and we went over to Florida and we actually, I think, met with him at a, you know, I mean, I know it was a restaurant. I can't remember if it was an IHOP or something like that. Instead of being at the Cape because she had been there, you know, we wanted to have like some personal one-on-one time. And so he sat down with her and talked it all through. I mean, this guy had been on, you know, astronaut selection boards and, you know, had done the full gamut. I mean, he had, he had been at STEMIS and... You know, I don't know where all, but I mean, Bill was had gone through all the ranks through NASA. He was a Marine and then did stuff with NASA and had, you know, gone all the way up to Cape Canaveral director. So, you know, just to let you know, Cape Canaveral director, then above him is NASA administrator. Then above that is the president of the United States. Wow. So Bill is now that high in NASA. There's, you know, the NASA administrator and the president are the only two above him. So he just, you know, he laid it out and said, you know, first of all, my first question to him was, is this even real (laughs) or does this kid need to start looking for something else? You know, (laughs) and he said, no, it's, you know, that's our forecast and we're looking at, you know, going to Mars in the 2030s. And so, you know, he started laying out to her, you, you know, should get your scuba certification, your pilot's license, your skydiving certification, try to get all that by your 18, try to make your resume as unique as possible. Because when you sit down at the astronaut selection board and they say, well, what do you have? Well, I have a PhD and blah, blah, blah. 10,000 people there will probably 9,999 have a PhD. What else do you have? And then you hit the next thing. And then now that gets you down to 5,000 people and so on and so on to where you have that resume so unique, it gets you down to that final 10. And so that's kind of, you know, was his advice and what he was telling her. You know, she took it to heart. I mean, she said, okay, if that's that's what it's going to take, then that's what I'm going to do. So that was a great thing, you know, for him to say. And, you know, he gave us his private number and said, you know, anytime you need anything. And, you know, I'm very respectful of that with people. I don't just ask stupid and frivolous things. I would on occasion at, you know, we'd call up and talk to him, ask for advice on this or that. And then I, I find it kind of, I guess, ironic a little bit, but you know, Refinery29 did a like a little short documentary on her and they had asked if, you know, Bill would would speak on camera. So I called him up. He's like, and, and at this time he's retired. He was back over at Stennis doing some stuff for a private company. But he said, sure. You know, he said, I, that's great. And so it actually came out in the interview that when he first met her, he thought, you know, hey, I'm just giving some advice to, you know, another 10 year old that wants to be an astronaut and never really thought anything about it. And he said, you know, I so appreciate and love her passion and all that, how she has progressed and built and have been so happy to be a part of that. So it's been great to have that kind of person there, a phone call away to help us make some of these decisions that she's had to make. 
Wow. And to think that that opportunity may have been missed if Alyssa and you weren't talking about our dreams and aspirations. It really speaks to the importance of doing that, as you noted. You touched on her speaking several times. That does strike me as one of her major accomplishments to date, is the impact she's had on youth, inspiring them and getting them to think about possible careers in STEM. Could you explain how that got started and how that evolved? Again, I mean, Alyssa was a natural at it when she was younger, and I can't remember which was first, but again, it would be around nine, 10 years old. So she spoke to a group of Girl Scouts at a friend's house, you know, kind of had the campfire thing and just told them about the stars and all. It was to help them get some badges and all. But the one where it really hit was a friend of mine runs the 4-H camp in Alexandria, Louisiana, which is right in the middle of the state. And so 4-H kids come in from all over the state to go to this, and there'll be 400, 600 kids every week in there during the summer. And she said, you know, would Alyssa, would Alyssa come and talk with these kids? And I said, you know, I'll ask her. She's like, sure. You know, and so she goes and she speaks to, like I said, like a group of four, five, six hundred kids. And she was just such a natural at it. And they were all asking her questions and all that. And then, you know, she would go back the next week and talk to the next group that was there. And, you know, it just kind of developed that way and kind of blossomed from that. And she all of a sudden then was giving these little talks at all these different little events and and things like that. And then, of course, when she was with the Mars One ambassador, they had contacted Mars One about talking about what was going on at a TED Talk event in Kalamata, Greece. And they mentioned about, hey, you should get in touch with Alyssa. And so at this time, I mean, Alyssa's 12 years old. And and this was hitting, too, right off of that MER-10 deal that happened in January. So they're like, you should get Alyssa. And so that was her first what I would, I guess, call big professional speech, you know, and actually something that, you know, we wanted to prepare for. I mean, I kind of felt very nervous, like, okay, these people are like flying us over to Greece (laughs) and for my 12 year old to speak at a TED talk, like that was just kind of overwhelming to me. No doubt. But, you know, she loved it. It was great. And then it just kind of blew up from there. That was, you know, January was the Mer 10 panel. That would have been that summer. So actually, Alyssa turned 13 in March and then, you know, gave her TED Talk. And then that October is when the BBC piece hit. And of course, when it hit from her Mer 10 panel, then that's, you know, that that's what blew her up all over the world. I mean, we literally probably got anywhere from 150 to 200 media requests within a 48 hour period. It has gone ballistic at that point. And so from there is where it's taken off with interviews and speaking engagements and things like that. So to date, she has been to 27 different countries doing training and speaking all over the world. And it's, you know, it's just, again, she's had no media training. She's had no, you know, the entire team of Alyssa is me and her. It's, you know, there's no machine behind us. There's no one out there promoting her. There's no one doing social media stuff and all. It's just me and her. And so everything about what has happened with her has been organic. It's just been developing. And then, of course, these companies would, you know, pay her and fly her in to talk to their employees because, you know, just the not only inspiring kids and trying to get more girls in STEM and all that, they're, she's inspiring these adults, you know, because these adults are going, man, what have I done with my life? Right. You know? I mean, right. here's a kid 14 years old and she's over here, you know, done 
three times what I've done. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of picked up with that. And it's been very natural. And, you know, a funny story is not too long ago, I guess it might have been in January of this year when she was doing one of the Nike shoots. One of the Nike people said, hey, I want Alyssa to be more like the kid. And, you know, I know she's media trained and she's doing her professional side on the set. But I want to like, no, that's just, you know, she hasn't been media trained. It's like, just go tell her, flip the switch and go be back to the goofy kid, you know. We have never approached any sponsor. We've never approached any media interview. We've never went after anything. Every interview she's ever done, every show she's ever been in, every brand she's ever dealt with has approached her. You know, people go out there and say, I'm this, you know, media mogul and going pursuing all these people and going after. That's why she's got all this coverage. I was like, no, it's, you know, this kid wants to go to Mars and save the human species. She's not about being famous could care less. She uses these avenues to help inspire kids. And, and, you know, that's the great thing about it, but it's not, you know, that's not number one on her list. Well, I certainly appreciate your willingness to connect when I reached out. I have just a few closing questions. First, what are three words that Alyssa would use to describe your parenting style? Describe my parenting style. So I'm sure one would be hard. One would be loving. and. Probably passionate. Uh Uh-huh. That's a good mix. With the benefit of hindsight, what's something that you would have done differently? I don't know that there's anything I would have done differently. I mean, again, because I've this this entire process has been organic. And I love that it's been organic. I don't know that I would really want to change anything. Like I've I've left it up to you know, again, whatever you want to call it, the destiny, the, the, you know, God, the, the world, whatever of letting this child follow her path, you know, and everything about this has been purely organic. I've, I've never, there's not like I've, I've pursued something and then wish I, I hadn't because I've just, I've let it all develop organically. So, I mean, there may be something I just can't re- think about it right now, but, uh, I think because this entire process from, you know, even going back to me doing what I'm doing in the in the filming industry as opposed to what I was going to do, it all developed like it was supposed to develop. What advice would you give to other fathers, either of to fathers in general or to fathers of kids who are aspiring to be an astronaut? Well, what I would tell fathers is, you know, I mean, again, you've got to there's this fine line we have to walk. I mean, the mothers may be able to to do it a little bit differently, but the fathers have to be this brute, tough guy. You know, we're men. We, you know, can't show our emotions and all that. And I think, you know, when it comes to your kids, you need to you need to get over that. You need to you know, you need to show that that loving side, not saying that, you know, you can't be disciplined to them, but you also need to show that loving side. There's not a day that's gone by in Alyssa's entire life that I haven't told her that I love her at least once every day. I show her my heart. And so I think we need to get over this, this toughness as men. And, and maybe it's because, you know, there's, as they say, there's a special relationship with, with uh, daddies and daughters, but just showing them that you can care and, and, and be loving to them as well. And just, you know, like I've said before, I mean, just support them. So, you know, definitely show the the tenderness and the passion to uh, to your children and, and just being a loving family. I think that's great advice. And I think that it's something that a, a lot of men struggle with. I think we have this perception that we need to live up to a stereotype. 
and it's often to the detriment of our kids and ourselves. Yeah, it's about it's about changing that society perception. It's time we change that. So, looking forward, should the day come to pass that Alyssa is on the launch pad and you're in the bleachers watching, what do you imagine you'd be thinking and feeling in that moment? Yeah, it's it's a struggle. I mean, I I deal with a double-edged sword every day, so I'm I'm very proud of her. I love what she's doing. I love how, you know, she is probably changing the world and you know, couldn't be prouder of her. On the other side, I'm scared to death for her, but that's why again kind of going back and I mean, I've been fortunate that, you know, she still wanted daddy around and and she still loves me being around. So I'm trying to, you know, spend as much time with her as I can before she may launch off to Mars and, you know, not knowing if she will ever come back. So on that day, I'm sure I will still have that double-edged sword in the sense of, you know, it will be one of my proudest moments that she has achieved her dream, that she has always wanted her entire life and heading to Mars. And then on the other side of it, I'll probably be in a fetal position in the corner (laughs) whining and crying and whatever and, you know, hoping I see her again. So, but yeah, it will be a, a huge daddy is so proud moment when that happens. I can only imagine. Bert, you have been a real pleasure to talk with. Thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing your, your wisdom and and story. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for wanting to, uh, hear me. Thank you for listening. And thanks to Bert Carson. If you enjoy the podcast, please post a review on iTunes. It only takes a minute, and it really helps the podcast. We also love to hear from you. If you have a guest idea, feedback, or just want to reach out and say hello, send us a note at info, I-N-F-O, at fatheringexcellence.com, or use the contact form on our website. Lastly, and most important, remember to spend some time today with your child. It goes by in the blink of an eye.